welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 25 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, or possibly Thursday night. You might be listening to this on Thursday night. I'm planning on releasing this episode later tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday and planning to drop it a little bit later, trying something a little different for this episode. And, um, yeah, so you might be listening to this on Thursday. So um, enjoy it either way. Hope it can bring some joy to your day as we head into the weekend here. Uh, we still have a long time to go before the Super Bowl, unfortunately. That's I'm kind of bummed about that. Um, we still have to get through this weekend before we can even think about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's, I believe, 10 days away now from the Super Bowl. Um, so even, like, the, the hype hasn't really begun. Like, we're not even really going to talk about it. We talk about it with the roundtable a little bit, but we're, there's really not much to talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl yet. Um, like I said, the hype train has yet to begin. But um, we will see what ha- I mean. Let's see what this sports weekend brings us. It's going to be mostly NBA and NHL. We'll talk about the schedule towards the end of the show. But we've got a loaded show for you guys tonight. We've got the NFL roundtable. Like I said, Mike, Tim, and Arun back once again on this, this week's show. Um, we're going to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Uh, break it all down. Nobody elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame for the first time since 2013. I believe the third time since 1960 that that has happened. So we will be talking about all that. Um, Yankees made some moves. Um, Masahiro Tanaka left the team, unfortunately. There are some other moves in baseball as well. Uh, we will talk about that for sure. And um, there's just some stuff I want to shout out at the end to some new head coaching hires. A little Deshaun Watson, uh, bring down his whole situation with the Houston Texans. Uh, that's an ugly, that's a whole whole mess right now. Um, we'll see where that ends up. We'll talk about that towards the end of the show. A lot to talk about today, folks. Um, if you, I just want to talk about one, before we get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of the show here, uh, I want to talk about um, um, just one thing I've been posting to the uh, official Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Facebook page. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a big hobby of mine is walking, and um, I really enjoy walking like all over the the area that I live in, the city that I live in, Washington D.C. I just enjoy walking from place to place, and um, lately I've just been checking out all these stadiums. Um, yesterday, um, Wednesday, I went down to Nats Park. Uh, I walked um, up down to the Navy Yard area um, and checked out what was going on in Nats Park. Not a whole lot. Um, that's, that's obviously where the Washington Nationals play. Real up-and-coming area in the city. Very nice. Um, there used to be nothing there, and now it's like a whole... It's, it's a really nice area. Like that, that Navy Yard area is really super nice. Um, so I, I love walking around that area and checking it out. Uh, it's not an area I go to a whole lot. So um, got to go to Nats Park yesterday. Uh, that was really cool. And then today, an uh, area I haven't been to at all in the four years that I've, I've lived in the DC area going into my fourth year. Uh, I had never been to the area around RFK stadium. So today I figured it would be good, good time to take a trip down to RFK. Um, like I said, I had never really been to that area. So, um, there's, like I said, not it's the kind of the opposite of, uh, the Navy yard area where nationals park is. There's not a whole lot going on there. Um, in terms of development, but um, there's, a, there's a couple new apartments. That was kind of nice. But um, it's, it's not a whole lot in terms of retail or things like that. 
But um, it was cool to see RFK, that RFK Stadium, for those of you who don't know, used to be the home of the old Washington Senators, actually the second incarnation of the Senators, um, before they relocated to Texas. And they used to be home to the Washington Redskins when they were called the Washington Redskins. The Nationals played there for a couple of years as well. Um, FedEx, uh, sorry, um, DC United also played at RFK Stadium uh, before moving to Audi Field a few years ago. Um, it's, a, it's a classic stadium in D.C. It hosted World Cup games in 1994. My friends, like like Robbie and Tim they, and people like that, they always talk about concerts they've seen at RFK. Um, clearly, the stadium got a lot of use. So um, it's, 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 it's scheduled to be torn down. Um, I've, I believe I actually went to Wikipedia and it said sometime in 2022. So uh, not much time left for RFK Stadium. So I figured it would be a good idea to go down. And um, I hadn't really been like to the Capitol Hill area of D.C., so I walked through that whole neighborhood and eventually ended up at RFK Stadium. I got a nice little photo. I posted it to the official Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan Facebook page. Um, so, yeah, I've been um, checking out these old these stadiums, uh, Nats Park and RFK. Um, I'm going to, like I said, I love to walk, so um, I'm thinking about maybe – you know, I know a lot about um, sports venues in this area, so um, I'm thinking about maybe posting more content like that to the official upon further review with Brian Brennan and Facebook page. So uh, if you like that, let me know, and I will keep doing it. Uh, but I think I've introduced the podcast long enough now. Let's jump right into it, folks, with my thoughts on the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Okay, so on Tuesday, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame voting was revealed, uh, the class of 2021. Um, There was no Hall of Fame ceremony last summer uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, So Derek Jeter, the greatest shortstop to ever live, and Larry Walker, um, have not been officially inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame yet. Um, so there, so if there was, honestly, if there was ever a year that baseball could get away with not voting a player into the hall of fame, it would be this 2021 year. Um, I think because of the fact that, you know, they haven't had the ceremony for Jeter and for Walker yet. Um, so if there was ever a year, it was this one. Um, here's the, the voting breakdown. Um, Kurt Schilling, uh, got the most votes of anyone. He came, he came 16 Vote short of getting elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He got 71.1% of the vote. Barry Bonds came in second place. He got 248 votes, 61.8%. Roger Clemens, 354 game winner, seven-time Cy Young Award winner. Got 61.6% of the vote, 247 votes, one less than Barry Bonds. And then after that, um, we get into guys like Scott Rowland, who got 52.9%, a huge jump for Scott Rowland, 52.9% of the vote. I'll talk about him in a second. Um, Omar Vizquel got 49.1% of the vote. Billy Wagner had a big jump at 46.4%. And then there's, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole, I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but um, I do want to comment on Andrew Jones also getting a big jump. This year, he is now up to 33% of the vote. Todd Helton, excuse me, Todd Helton is at 44.9% of the vote. Um, Gary Sheffield, 406 I don't know if Sheff's ever going to get in, but he has been making progress. 
Um, so that is the basic breakdown, and a lot of guys obviously um, fell off the ballot. And um, shout-out to Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit got 13.7% of the vote. Unfortunately, I don't think he's ever going to get in because of his uh, HGH allegations, but um, you know, he is one of my favorite Yankees of all time. So uh, shout-out to Andy Pettit. Uh, but the main story of this of this Hall of Fame class um, of this voting would probably be Kurt Schilling, I would say, and not Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, surprisingly, uh, because those have, they have obviously been the story for the last couple of years when it comes to Hall of Fame candidacy. But I feel like Kurt Schilling this year has kind of taken the spotlight away from the two of them. Um, and let's be honest, folks, Kurt Schilling has talked his way out of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He has that all-time great, all-time legend. He's got an all-time great resume. Uh, one of the best postseason pitchers to ever live. I'm pulling up his stats right now as we speak. But um, he's talked his way out of the Hall of Fame. And he sees the writing is on the wall. He even asked to be taken off the ballot next year. So Kurt Schilling's statistics, uh, according to Wikipedia here, I know that's not the most reliable source, but uh, I figured I might as well go to them. Uh, 216 career wins to 146 career losses. ERA of 3.46, 3,116 strikeouts. That's okay. You know what? That's that's good. It's not like 300 wins. He didn't quite have the resume of his uh, Diamondback teammate, Randy Johnson, I would say, who was a slam dunk, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. But he did have, you know, he did have a decent regular season success. Um, but I think what separates Kurt Schilling um, from a lot of people is his postseason performance. That's where he really stood out, starting with the Phillies in 1993 when they were the National League champions, and he was the ace of that staff. The only reason they really had any chance in the World Series against the Toronto Blue Jays that year, um, Kurt Schilling pitched a complete game shutout in that series to keep them in it. And I'm not I'm sorry. Actually, I should. I'm kind of rambling a little bit. I shouldn't get into all, but we all remember like um, <laughs> the the 2001. This is where it gets ugly for me. Where we have to talk about 2001, where he was with the Diamondbacks and he beat the Yankees. Um, he, I believe, he started three games in that World Series: Game One, Game Four, and Game Seven. Um, he was the co-World Series MVP with Randy Johnson um, in a devastating me at age 10, uh, just crushing my spirit, that World Series. We don't need to talk about it anymore. But then even more crushing was, or not maybe not as as crushing, was 2004 when he was with the Red Sox and the Bloody Sock. I mean, Kurt Schilling was just an incredible postseason performer, like one of the greatest of all time. That's what I think makes him a lot of, fam- a lot of people think he's a Hall of Famer. But he has talked his way out of the Hall of Fame. The, everything in it that he has done in his post career has just been awful. From the way he talks about support for our former president Donald Trump to the support of the insurrection on the Capitol, um, and not to mention his threatening of journalists as well. He had a he was pictured wearing a T-shirt that says "Rope Tree Journalist." I know the character clause is kind of a touchy subject when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame, but. If you've got somebody who's threatening to lynch journalists, that is not that is bad character. And yes, I know there have been a lot of bad people in the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb was a racist, a terrible person. 
That's just one example. There's plenty of people in the Baseball Hall of Fame who are wife beaters, gamblers, just terrible people in general. And um, But that doesn't mean that now at times are different. People view things in different light. And Kurt Schilling's conduct off the field has eliminated him from Hall of Fame contention. Like I said, he asked to be taken off the ballot next year. And um, while I think the Hall of Fame is going to say no to that request... Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to get in next year anyway, um, because now, you know, the ballots this year were turned in before his comments on the insurrection. And, um, now that, you know, his thoughts and his support for that awful day, um, are out there, I, I don't see any chance. In fact, I think he might lose votes next year and go down from 71.1% of the vote. So Kurt Schilling... He would. I honestly think if he hadn't said some of the crazy stuff he said over the last couple of years, would be a Hall of Famer. He has talked his way out of the Hall of Fame, and he'll never get in. He knows he'll never get in. He knows there's no chance now. And um, you know, it's it's just you know, it's kind of a sad tale. Honestly, he's he's just it's you know. I mean, personally, I don't really like Kurt Schilling, so but it's it's a fall from grace. You know, one of the he was a great pitcher, and you know, unfortunately, he's just crazy. He's a crazy person. So, um, yeah, Kurt Schilling. Um, that's my thoughts on him not getting into the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. It's obviously really tough for both of them. Um, you know, they had Hall of Fame careers. They, uh, you know, they, they. I mean, when it comes down to it, their numbers are just spectacular. Barry Bonds is the all-time home run leader at 762. Roger Clemens, like I said, 354 career wins, seven Cy Young awards. I at, at some point, you know, I I I don't I don't know how I just you know I was listening to CC Sabathia's podcast today, and he was talking about how you know baseball is the least fun. I'm, I'm you know he said it in a much more rated R way than I did. But um, baseball doesn't let you know these players you know who were so fun to watch in the Hall of Fame, and it's it's not not fun. But they cheated. Honestly, they broke the rules. And um, as long as you do that, unfortunately, you're not going to get in the Hall of Fame. And it sucks because you know they were incredible players to watch, but they cheated. They broke the rules. Same thing with Pete Rose. They'll never get into the Hall of Fame. That's just how it is. How it's going to be. And if they do, it's going to be after they're dead. They're not going to see it. That's just how the Baseball Hall of Fame feels about Barry Bonds and Roger Clements. Uh, I, I don't see them making any progress in the last year on the ballot, which will be next year. And uh, I don't expect them to get in to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, and if they do, I think it'll be after they're long gone, unfortunately. Um, you know, time change, and we may have a situation like that in the future. Um, but you know, I, I don't see Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame because, um, like I said, you know, and CC's right; they they were fun to watch. They did have great careers, but you know, still, at the end of the day, broke the rules. Um, I just want to talk about Scott Rowland. Um, I, I really don't think Scott Rowland's that a Hall of Famer. Like I, I, I he's a, he, I, you know, I want to give a shout out to the YouTube. Um, the YouTuber Andy Hoops, who does a lot of videos on the NBA, um, but um, he talks about the Hall of Very Good, like guys who were not quite basketball Hall of Famers, but 
they got into the hall of very they'd be in the hall of very good to me scott Rowland is the hall of very good like he was a okay player you know he he made a lot of all-star teams he won he was a very good defender he won a lot of gold gloves but um hall of famer i don't really i don't see it but it, you know what harold baines got into the hall of fame so if harold baines can get into the hall of fame then i guess scott Rowland will get in some sometime um, and just to wrap up the Hall of Fame coverage, um, Andrew Jones, um, I, you know, I was a big fan of his when he was with the Yankees. Um, the, the, he was, I think he was just with the Yankees for one year, um, and he was, he was a lot of fun to have on the team. Uh, he was mostly a DH then, but Andrew Jones is one of the greatest defensive center fielders of all time. Like, he's right up there with Willie Mays. Like, uh, the way he could feel, uh, what a beast he was. And I'll never forget, um, or, well... I was kind of young at the time, but um, I do know about him hitting two home runs in game one of the 96 World Series against the Yankees, being the youngest player to homer in the World Series at the time. Uh, That was a huge moment for him. Uh, I hope Andrew Jones makes a big jump in in the next couple of ballots and um, eventually makes his way um, into the Hall of Fame. I I don't know if he'll get in, but he might be another Hall of Very Good. But to me, I'm a big Andrew Jones fan. And um, I hope he gets in eventually. Um, I just want to talk about next year's ballot because it's kind of interesting. David Ortiz is on the ballot. And um, even though he has some PED allegations as well, um, I think David Ortiz will get in eventually. Uh, not eventually. I think David Ortiz will get in on the first ballot. Um, you know, he's the greatest designated hitter of all time. And one of the best clutch bats ever. I mean, and just such a likable figure in the game. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, we do kind of overlook the PED allegations with David Ortiz, but um, I think um, I think he will get into the Hall of Fame um, on his first try next year. So um, it'll be interesting to see his induction ceremony next year. Um, A-Rod is also on the ballot next year as well. And um, I think, unfortunately, he's clouded in the same controversy as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, which is a shame because, again, A-Rod was such a fun player to watch. Oh, he, was, he was frustrating at times as a Yankee fan, for sure. I can definitely say that about A-Rod. <laughs> but um, he was a great player, and um, you know he's probably going to be kept out of the Hall of Fame as well um, because of his steroid allegations. And, um, you know, I think at some point you got to, like, I was listening to a radio show, I think it was DCR this morning on ESPN New York, and they said at some point you got to draw the line um, between, you know, when they did steroids and when their career, uh, when they started to get good. Like, with Mark McGuire, I don't think Mark McGuire was good before he took steroids. And um, with Barry Bonds, I think Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer even if he didn't take steroids, um, I think he mostly did steroids so he could because he was jealous of Ken Griffey Jr. and um, guy or not sorry not Ken Griffey Jr. He was jealous of Mark McGuire. I, I you know that's fun. I think he actually told Ken Griffey Jr. was one of the first people he told that he was doing steroids because he was jealous of um, he was jealous of Mark McGuire. He was jealous of Sammy Sosa that home run chase in '98. Barry Bonds wanted to do steroids. So um, I think we have to draw the line between when the player, you know, did steroids because Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens most likely would have been a Hall of Famer. He was a great pitcher with the Red Sox in the 80s and the early 90s, and he did steroids when he came to the Yankees, I believe. And um, he was great with the Yankees too, but he was probably going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. So um, 
yeah, I, I just think we have to eventually, at some point, we're going to come to that realization, I feel. Um, so that's just my thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame. I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Um, I'm excited to see Derek Jeter eventually get inducted. Uh, like I said, the greatest shortstop to ever live. Um, I'm excited to see him get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, eventually, I, you know, even though it'll be the class, it'll be kind of like the Olympics this year. The, if the Olympics happen, it'll be the 2020 Olympics in 2021. This is going to be the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame induction in 2021. So, uh, Larry Walker, of course, a great hitter too. Um, you know, there'll be, there will be an induction ceremony. It'll be, we'll see if it'll be socially distant next, uh, in this summer in Cooperstown. Those are just my thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, balloting. So why don't we jump into the round table tonight? We've got Michael Edgley, Tim Clark, and Arun Bhattacharya uh, breaking down their thoughts on the NFC and AFC Conference Championship games. Uh, we also talk a little bit about the Wizards, um, and of course it being one year since Kobe Bryant has passed. Uh, we talked about um, our memories of that day and just our memories of Kobe. Um, I'm, I'm loving that the round table's become a weekly thing now. I love having the guys on. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun, and we've all—I think we've all—kind of agreed that we're going to do next week's show, so we can pick the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that. But for now, here comes this week's roundtable with Michael Edgley, Tim Clark, and Arun Bhattacharya. Right, the roundtable is back for another week to break down all the exciting NFL action. Uh, let me introduce them first. First up, we've got a uh, big Baltimore Ravens fan, uh, the DMV's finest, Tim Clark. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Happy to have you on. Happy to have the whole roundtable on. Um, next up, we've got uh, Mr. RG3, the stats guy, Arun Bhattacharya. Arun, how are you doing, man? Uh, not bad, uh... Got to see a Wizards basketball game, which is pretty bad, but otherwise I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah, Wizards are finally back. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit down the road, but we've also got another big Wizards fan on the line and big Mike Edgley. Mike, my man, how are you doing, dude? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Uh, to be honest, I didn't watch the last few Wizards games, but I knew we were going to lose because of how many people we had out and all the good people we had out, you know? Yeah. But I'm doing well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough road ahead for the Wizards. It already is in these games back from COVID. We'll talk about that a little bit later. First, I want to start off with the um, the conference championship games from this past weekend, the NFC and the AFC. Um, first, we'll start off with the NFC championship game. Uh, it was the first game played on conference championship Sunday. Um, I thought it was a really great game. Um, you know, I've already talked about this on my Monday episode, but um, just to recap, you know, great game. Uh, Tampa Bay looked great in that first half, um, especially with the Hail Mary touchdown from Brady to Scotty Miller. Um, Green Bay came back a little bit in the second half, but um, ultimately Tampa Bay held on. They got aided by that big penalty on the uh, – it would have been fourth down, but they gave them the penalty to make it first down. Personally, I thought that was a good call. I didn't say that on Monday, but I think that's, that was a good call. Uh, this was a good game. Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002. Um, I'm going to go to Mike first on this game. Um, Mike, what, I, Tampa Bay's your division rival. They knocked out your Saints. But what was your thoughts on this game and Tampa going to the Super Bowl? Man, uh, this was a great game. And um, even when it was kind of a blowout, it was just kind of fun to watch the Bucks, uh 
just play their best football. I mean, I I, I know I I know you mentioned this on your podcast, but that drive where Chris Godwin had that unreal catch, yeah, and Leonard Fournette had that unreal run to score the touchdown. I like that was one of the best drives I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, that that just was like I was I was just amazed at just the sequence I saw, and then the play you mentioned you just mentioned the Scotty Miller hail mary. Uh, for Bruce Arians, Arians to have the balls to call that play, where it's most, almost every single coach, um, even the gutsiest of coaches, probably even Andy Reid and Sean Payton would have been like, hey, you know what? Let's uh, just go for about t- uh, t- five, ten yards, go to the side, get a closer field goal. Bruce Arians is like, uh, we got eight seconds left. Tom, Tom Brady could throw a ball in, like before that time. Let's do it. And then the Packers defense is not expecting it at all. I forgot the name of the cornerback for the Packers, but man, he got roasted on. I think on it was Sunday. King. I think his name was King. Um, he got he got roasted on Sunday, man. He was yeah. terrible. Um, they were just not expecting a hail mary at all, and it really showed. Scotty, uh, like great catch by Scotty, great throw by Tom Brady, and um, really, I know the Packers came back and they made it a close scheme. And um, it was a and it, that and I'm glad they did because it ended up being a more fun game to watch. But it's even still that hail mary just felt like the Tampa Bay just had the momentum, and they weren't going to fully give it up. And even though Green Bay really cut close, they really shot themselves in the foot, like you said on Monday on your episode where uh, they didn't go on it, go for it on the fourth down. Yeah, and I know uh, Rogers probably would not have gotten a touchdown, but he still should have ran because he could have gone like a closer fourth down and it would have made it an easier decision. But again, also at, in the moment, like you, like you said, we're not professional quarterbacks. So in the moment, like, like you're thinking differently and you're thinking like, Oh, I got to score a touchdown. I'm trying to pass. So I, I understand like why he didn't run, but um, yeah, it was a great game. Uh, uh, Green Bay had a great comeback in the second half. He, they had some great plays, like their Hail Mary touchdown. Um, well, that was in the first half, but they, they, it was an overall a great game. They came very close to pulling off a comeback, but Tampa Bay was just able to uh, um, pull out the win. Now let's talk about that um, kicking the field goal there on fourth down a little bit, because that was obviously the big play in the game. I'll go to Aru next. Um, what were your thoughts on that play call? Because I, at the time, I thought, and I still don't really understand it. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, like one of the best quarterbacks in the game, arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and you don't go for it in that situation? You kick a field goal and give the ball back to Tom Brady? It didn't make a lot of sense to me. What did, what did you think, Arun? Um, I think, I don't know, it's easy to say in retrospect that they should have gone for it, but I don't think the Packers were doing that well in short yard situations throughout the game. Didn't, I don't believe they didn't True. gain any single yards on that, the previous three plays. And um, LaFleur, I don't know, I guess you can question where they would have gone for it. They still would have needed a touchdown and they would have needed to go on a two-point conversion. So they need two um, red zone plays back-to-back. And they hadn't been getting it done all game. They had missed the two-point conversion earlier in the game. Um, you can – it's just like Devontae Adams dropped a pass in the end zone. They were out there top running back. Um, th- I think they were – already had lost the game at that point with, based on that Hail Mary play, the fumble by Aaron Jones. 
Um, they could have gone for it. I don't think they would have gotten it. And even if they got it, I don't think they would have gotten the two-point conversion. Like, so even in that sense, they, I can understand going for the field goal because they needed, they would potentially need two scores anyways, and they would have needed to stop Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay only had seven points up to that point off of a turnover um, with a short field. And there were two interceptions by Tom Brady. And for the Packers to come away with zero points off of those two turnovers is pretty ridiculous considering they had like all the momentum. Didn't they have, they had two, three and outs after those turnovers yeah, yeah. too. They, so they're they did down nothing. By five points. Yeah. They're down <laughs> by five points each time those turnovers <laughs> happen. I think it was just one of those games. Like, I don't know, like that Hail Mary was the difference. I feel like, and Aaron Jones getting knocked out of the game. I think otherwise the game could have gone either way. Um, I don't, I think that official that that call was 50-50, and that's just like a uh, flip of the coin. I don't think it was a bad call, but yeah, like obviously they could have gone for it, but they still would have needed a two-point conversion after that. And I think the two previous drives killed them. Like Aaron Rodgers taking a sack in that one situation, like I don't know, it's like it's pretty tough to be down five, have the ball, and you're essentially could be in four-down territory. And then as Mike mentioned not running the ball would have made it a much easier decision to go for it. But up to that point, they had gained zero yards on those first three plays. I don't think they would have gotten the touchdown. So I'm probably in the minority, but I don't think McFloor, I, I think it was like, maybe it was the right decision. I, it's like not the right decision because they ultimately lost, but I don't, I can understand his logic on why he did that. That's a hot take. I mean, there's a lot, everybody seems to be roasting LaFleur this week. Um, I, I don't know. I is a lot. I think there's a lot of questions about this for sure. Um, uh, uh, Tim, what were your final thoughts on this game? Uh, just that the Bucks defense did a great job, especially the defensive line, to hold Green Bay to that amount of points and you know make up for Tom Brady's three interceptions in the game. You know, if, if Tampa had lost, I think a lot of people would talk about how Brady lost something because yeah, he's been great the whole postseason, but. If he did get knocked out with three three turnovers, he probably would get a lot of uh, grief for it, even if it's unfair. So that's kind of the hidden storyline. And I just think uh, Fournette, he, he ran like a man possessed the whole game. It felt like he could smell the Super Bowl and he knew this was the exact opposite of Jacksonville and he better not squander this year. So I, I, I'm, I'm proud of him and – also, Tampa getting back a couple players for the Super Bowl should be big. So, um, yeah, Anto Antonio Brown should be back for the Super Bowl. That would be big. Yeah, draft. and one other guy I think that was out. I don't remember who. Ronald yeah. Jones. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So th those are both big players. Uh, could make a difference. Um, so I think the Super Bowl could go either way. But uh, we'll yeah, talk about that next time. Definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll probably make picks next week, um, but uh, we'll talk about the AFC championship game. Now. Uh, one last thing I want to mention about the NFC championship game ago. Uh, it is really cool that Tampa Bay is hosting the Super Bowl in their home stadium. That's going to be awesome. I never thought it would happen and uh, it's finally happening. Um, so that's really, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and um, let's talk about the AFC championship game a little bit. Um, the chiefs and the bills, Buffalo got out to a nine, nothing lead, but I never really felt like this game was in doubt. Honestly. I mean, we've seen Kansas city come back time after time after time, but it just happens. It's just, it is what it is. They just come back in every game and it's like, it's nothing. 
Um, so, I mean, that's what happened again in this game. I mean, Hill and uh, Kelsey put up big numbers for the Chiefs. Um, and when they're rolling and Mahomes is rolling, it's really tough to stop them. Um, Tim, I will go to you first. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, the Bills could never guard um, Kelsey. He absolutely destroyed them. And uh, even when the Bills took advantage of that terrible hard, Hardman um, uh, fumbled punt and quickly scored a touchdown, I felt like the peak of their game was when Romo was like, and they're already up 10 nothing, and they, they immediately missed the extra point. So even that was like a bad omen, and it felt like that was the high watermark right there because um, Romo kind of jinxed it. He, he got way too excited about them. But, yeah, I mean, the Bills also had a questionable field goal call. Like, a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, they think they should have not kicked at the end of the first half when they were down by 12, but they kicked in and cut it to nine. And I think I even texted you then and said, like, you're not going to beat the Chiefs with a field goal here. You have to go for it. Yeah. So, again, they, if they didn't get it, they would look stupid. But I don't think cutting it from 12 to nine makes a big difference there anyway. So, that to me was questionable. Yeah, I, I, I still think either way the Chiefs are probably winning that game no matter what. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and there was Buffalo, the questionable call at the end where they um, almost, um, I believe they kicked an extra point or they decided to go for two instead of kicking the extra point. Yeah, down um, uh, 17. Yeah, there were some yeah. questionable um, calls, I think, by the Bills in this game. But the Chiefs do get the win. Mike, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh. This was a uh, pretty good game, a uh, decent game overall. Um, I thought, you know, Mahomes did his thing. Uh, he played very, very well, uh, much better than he had played uh, his past uh, few games in the uh, regular season. Uh, he seemed back to uh, old form. And um, <clears throat> to be honest, I did kind of fall asleep during the fourth quarter just because I knew the Chiefs had this. Even when the Chiefs are up by seven, you just know that the game's over. Yeah. They're, they're just one of those teams where even if the Bills tie, is just like Mahomes is just going to get a touchdown. Like, it's fine. And I've seen people on Facebook say, if oh, any decent quarterback had the weapons that Mahomes had, they'd be just as good, which I think is ridiculous. But yeah. um, Mahomes is awesome. But, yeah, he just – he did his thing. Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were great too. I think Travis Kelsey had 13 catches and Tyreek Hill had like 11. Yeah. I mean, all the three of them carried the offense as they usually do. Uh, um, the Bills put up a good fight. They had an amazing season. I feel bad for the Bills Mafia fans who have videos of them getting drunk and saying, we're going to the Super Bowl <laughs> and jumping on tables. Uh, that's unfortunate. That unfortunately, didn't age well. But uh, you know, they had a great season, and hey, uh, they they're gonna have like ten years or at least 10, 15 years of chances making the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is a stud. Yeah, I, 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 Josh Allen and the Bills aren't going anywhere. Great season for them. Uh, they deserve a lot of kudos. Uh, Arun, quickly, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I also thought like. By the fourth quarter, I stopped paying attention. I, I heard about the onside kick. I, like, watched it later, but at that point, I knew the game was over and I had better things to do than watch the, the Chiefs <laughs> and those game. And, um, yeah, the 9 nothing start was, like, kind of impressive, but then they had three points for the rest of the half. 
I had picked against the Bills just probably because they didn't really seem to get their offense going against the Ravens, and I and the Chiefs slowed down the Bills for most of the meaningful portions of this game out in the fourth quarter, and that just could be because of complacency because with such a big lead, it's hard to play that hard. And Mahomes was on fire, like second straight conference championship. He came down from a deficit. This one wasn't as big, and. Um, the Bills offense never really got off to the right footing. Josh Allen had like 80 plus yards rushing and then Devin Singletary only had 16 yards. That's not going to get it done. And Tyreek Hill's on fire and Kelsey. And I think the Chiefs look really good in this game and it's going to be tough. I guess the Bucks have a really good defense. We'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. Now let's talk very quickly about the Super Bowl. Um, I was thinking, we, like I said earlier, I think we could give our predictions next week because that's closer to the game. But this week I was hoping maybe we could talk about just one storyline that we're all looking forward to for the Super Bowl. Um, just one thing that we're looking forward to with this game. Um, I'll go to Arun first. Anything you're looking forward to? Uh, just the quarterback matchup, the greatest of all time versus the greatest of all time right now. I guess, I don't know. After going yeah. for the greatest in the league right now, and everyone's thinking he's going to overtake Brady, and Brady has his six Super Bowl rings. And if Mahomes ever wants to catch Brady, he's probably going to have to win this game for sure. Yeah. And um, it's also funny because Gronkowski's on the other side, and um, Kelsey trying to get a second Super Bowl ring. And of course, the other side story is one of the Pittsburgh Steelers, like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. They're going to get a Super Bowl ring, so that's <laughs> to them. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too. Um, what, yeah, you're right. One of those Steelers uh, outcasts is going to get a ring. It's, it's crazy. Um, like I said earlier, the storyline I'm looking at is, I, you know, I'm excited by Tampa Bay playing in their home stadium. I'm, I'm interested to see if that's going to have any impact at all, what the atmosphere is going to be like in the stadium for the 22,000 fans, I believe, that are going to be allowed in. Uh, so I'll be keeping my eye on that for the next couple of days. This is going to be a very weird Super Bowl with everything going on with COVID, the pandemic. It's not going to be the same, but um, I'm looking forward to it. It should still be awesome. Uh, Mike, what, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy uh, for Lee. Shout out for uh, Lee and yeah. both being the Super Bowl. Um, and like you said, how it, there's a team hosting the Super Bowl, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I I do hope that these. I don't want it to be all Bucks fans, but I, I, I would like to see a decent amount show up. That would be cool to see. Um like just for the moment and i'm I'm also excited for the halftime show yeah the uh, weekends yeah the weekend's gonna be i think it's gonna be great and i think the game's gonna be great too like arun said it's uh uh goat first baby goat yeah um it's gonna be awesome can't wait for it um tim anything anything you're looking forward uh, to yeah i mean to me this is a blast from the past game because it's another andy reed tom brady showdown and the last time that happened, I was in a, I was a sophomore in college. So what was that? Um, 17 years ago? 2004, yeah. 2005. Yeah, 2004, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I remember the person I was watching it with is a huge Eagles fan. And I hated them because of the Terrell Owens situation where he refused to play with the Ravens and Kyle Bowler, which is smart, honestly. <laughs> but I hated them that um, – I rooted against the Eagles that year. Um, and actually rooted for Tom Brady. And I might, I might do the same thing. And this might be the only other time I root for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Cause I, I really like him this year. So 
it's a, yeah. it's, it's a weird blast from the past game for me. And like, it's, it's kind of cool how long those two guys have been around the NFL and been really good. This is something Mike and I were actually talking about uh, a little while ago. Tom Brady seems much more likable now that he's not with the Patriots and not Dude, in New England. I love England. Tom Brady. He I seems, love Tom Brady. He seems athletes. cool now, right? Yeah, I love Tom. Tom Brady's the man, man. Like, I <laughs> I feel bad for all the bad. Well, I don't feel that bad because you play for the Patriots. But, um, you know, like, Tom Brady's the man. I, I love Tom Brady on the Bucks. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm a hundred percent for it. It's crazy how like it it makes you your whole opinion of the guy change. I used to I couldn't stand Tom Brady, and now I I, I gotta say I'm kind of liking this Buccaneer story. It's been a nice story so far this year. We'll see how far he can take them next week with the Super Bowl. Um, so let's move into a little NBA talk. Uh, let's talk about the Wizards a little bit. They're back in action. Um, that, that's that, that's good. We could that's one positive we could say. Sort of. Yeah, kind yeah, of. sort of okay. Yeah, um, they've lost their two games since being back to the Spurs on Sunday and to the Rockets last night. Uh, we're recording. It's Wednesday night. They're about to play the Pelicans tonight. Um, we'll see how that goes. They, they still don't have a lot of players available. Um, it's been a bit of an ugly um, return. I, I want to give a shout out to the Pelicans, by the way, because they um, I I saw on their Twitter account. They uh, reserved a seat in the press box for Seku Smith, the NBA journalist who unfortunately passed mm-hmm. away to COVID the uh, other day. So I want to give a shout out to the Pelicans. It's a really cool gesture. Um, we'll see how this game goes tonight for the Wizards. Um, but I'll go to um, Arun. Why don't we start with you? What are your thoughts on the, the Wizards' return so far? Yeah, even it's tough to make anything of the Wizards right now because four of them are actually coming off of COVID and they haven't even said which players those are but they have been playing pretty awfully, especially that Rockets game, Westbrook shooting mid-range jumpers in the beginning of the shot clock for no real reason, shooting threes of <laughs> like three seconds into the shot clock. And then I love Bradley Beal. He's playing great for the first three quarters of the game, but in the fourth quarter, he's just like out of gas. It could be a conditioning issue. It could be COVID. Like he could be coming off of COVID, so I can't be too hard on him. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, you can't win if your best player isn't really doing anything in the fourth quarter and your team is really not that deep at all, especially with Rui, Denny, um, and Davis Bertans off with COVID. John Wall probably had a champagne party afterwards in this COVID hotel room. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I don't know, like, it was just, this trade is looking worse and worse all the time. So I'm, I hope Westbrook, can get back to his former self but right now he looks like he's like washed up and they should just like rest him to stay healthy because he looks exactly the same as he did like right before they shut him down so i hope he gets back to 100 but right now it just looks like a terrible deal for the wizards yeah i actually saw a statistic today that westbrook has scored 163 points this season on 163 shots so that is not right. good yeah uh, Michael Edgley, I see you shaking your head. We'll go to you next. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, I guess, Russell Westbrook this season? You know, John Wall against his former team last night. Um, that was interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this? Uh, yeah, no, it was cool to see Wall and uh, Beal uh, reunite. But um, I'm not surprised these two games have come in losses. Like, we're coming off of COVID. We're very far from full strength. And 
like uh, Arun says, Beal's great in the first three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, he seems out of gas. And it doesn't help when Russell Westbrook thinks it's a good idea to pull up from three uh, to start the possession or uh, for whatever reason, um, take a, uh, a mid-range shot when you got Bradley Beal open for three. Um, uh, maybe one day Scott Brooks will discipline him, but who knows? Um, uh, I doubt it. Um, I don't see that happening, dude. <laughs> no, never. Um yeah, no, like Arun said, right now it's kind of looking like a terrible deal for the Wizards. So, I like I do think there's a chance that, you know, maybe next year it could look better. But uh, this year, um, just with the COVID situation, unfortunately it came at a pretty bad time. I don't think they're going to be able to bounce back uh, from it. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Now 3-10, and 10, uh, we'll see what, like I said, we'll see what happens tonight. We'll know by the time this episode comes out what happens in the Pelicans game. Um, I'm watching the Hawks, who the Wizards are going to play on Friday night, play the Nets right now. They're losing 24-21. to 21. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on the Wizards right now? Yeah, it's – I agree with what everyone said. They're just not very deep. They, they play hard, and they keep it close until the fourth quarter, but then the past two nights they've completely uh, just gotten – boat raced in the fourth quarter and it goes from like four points to 10 to 15 really quickly. And um, they just can't be competitive and Beal's not making shots when it matters. Uh, they they kind of lose their defense also at the end of the game. Cause I think they get tired and like half of them had COVID. So they have no conditioning, but um, I guess it definitely looks like a bad trade. I mean, Westbrook might be basketball's Chris Davis type contract. If we're not lucky, we might be stuck with with him and just like basically have him on the bench some. But I don't think Westbrook's fully healthy. I, I want him to sit for a while, like maybe till the second half and then bring him back. Um, I I agree with you that he's he's definitely not 100% healthy. Like you can yeah. tell from the way he's playing right now. And I really hope that he, he doesn't turn into Chris Davis because that would just be an absolute disaster. Um, for for the uh, for the Wizards, just a terrible deal. I would make this one of the worst trades of all time, honestly, if he turned into Chris Davis. But um, I just want to talk yeah. about I just want to talk about one other um, NBA related thing before we wrap up. Um, and that was uh, on Tuesday. Uh, that was the one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash that unfortunately took his life, his daughter Gianna's life, I believe seven other people as well in that helicopter crash. It was just a terrible day for the NBA, just a terrible day in general. Uh, I just wanted to talk some, about some of our memories of that day, memories of Kobe. Um, I'll go to, we'll start with Maroon again. Uh, Maroon, what were, your thought, what were your memories of Kobe in that day? Uh, I know a lot has happened since that day, but then when the day was approaching, it just felt like it just happened yesterday, to be honest with you. It's, like, it's still a pretty like, horrible thing that Kobe Bryant crashed in that helicopter with his daughter, Gianna. Um, I'm not a really big Kobe Bryant fan, but I did like him in the later stages of his career, um, especially like all his wisecracks and stuff like that. Um, he's definitely going to be missed in the game, um, though. So let's hope that, uh, I don't know, it's like still, it's still like a raw wound. Let's just hope that he's still, he, I, he's still like one of the greatest players of all time. So um, yeah, it's a tough moment for sure. 
even with all the crazy stuff that's happened in the last year, it still doesn't feel real what happened with Kobe and the helicopter crash. It just doesn't feel like it really – it's just bizarre. It's crazy. Uh, Mike, Mike, what are your memories of Kobe? Uh, yeah, um, I was actually just about to say, like, even with all the uh, COVID stuff and everything happening in 2020, it still doesn't feel real that Kobe, his daughter – and all the um the um other people who unfortunately passed away that doesn't feel real that it happened. I remember hearing about the news and it was just shocking. It was just really sad. And um, you know, I liked Kobe a lot more. Like for Arun, I'm I'm with Arun on this one where I liked Kobe more in the later stages of his career. Yeah. Uh, especially like the sixty point game at his his last game of this of his career was amazing. And um, yeah. That's, I remember watching that live, and that's something that I'll never forget. And, uh, yeah, he overall just had – he was like a hero to a lot of people. And um, him, his daughter, and, of, of course, the, the other seven, uh, seven people that had passed away, they're all going to be missed greatly. Yeah, it's, it's really tragic. And, you know, Kobe – the amazing thing to me about Kobe was that, you know, it really felt like he could do anything he put his mind to. Like he, as soon as he retired, he like, boom, within like two years, he won, he won an Oscar. Like it was, no. it was, cr- it was crazy. Like he'd do just about anything he wanted to do. And that was the most truly remarkable thing about Kobe. And I agree with you guys that in the later stages of his career, he definitely got more likable than he was originally with Shaq. Uh, he was definitely not as popular in the earlier days of his career, but you're right. Towards the end of his career, he became a legend and a, cult like a cult like figure in a way um tim kobe memories anything you you got yeah well, i mean when I, when i heard i was in dulles airport because i was on an airplane coming back from europe and i missed it for hours but i just remember um my wife turned on her phone and it was like the biggest news in china and i read this week that the city that the city that he grew up in in italy named uh, square after him and is having like an annual celebration for him. So he was one of the biggest celebrities in the whole world, like even bigger than sports because he really had a huge brand and was the biggest NBA player probably of his time. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like how that news shook the whole world and um, you know, he's definitely going to be missed. And I think it's, it's always going to be like, a pretty big anniversary and always be a big deal for Lakers, uh, Lakers fans and at Lakers games. But um, it, yeah, it's still kind of like surreal, like you said to me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't think it's ever going to feel normal, honestly, the way, the way it happened, it's just so tragic. And um, the wound is still fresh. Like Arun said, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy to believe it's been a year since uh, Kobe passed, uh, but we'll wrap up now. Uh, we'll move into our closing statements. Um, I'll go to you first, Mike. Um, do you have any final closing remarks you'd like to get on the air tonight? Uh, just thank you for having me. And yeah, I uh, just can't wait for the Super Bowl uh, in the uh, February 7th. And I can't wait to get your pick next week when we do this again, hopefully. Uh, Mike, I'm looking forward to that. Have a good night, my dude. Thank you. You too. Tim Clark, um, thank you for coming on tonight's episode. Do you have any, yeah, final, uh, you have any final remarks you'd like to make? Yeah, I just had a lot of fun tonight. I'm really excited for next week's show and next week's Super Bowl to make the picks and talk about all the key matchups. Um, yeah, just uh, have have a good rest of the night, good rest of the week, and 
I guess enjoy the uh, very lame Pro Bowl uh, telecast, whatever they're going to yeah. do. It's going to be a it's going to be a pretty crappy sports weekend in general. Um, For sure. With no football, it's going to be very weird. Um, uh, it's going to suck. But uh, Tim, thank you for uh, joining yeah, us. Yeah, a great night, guys. Yeah, man, you're welcome anytime. And we go last but not least, Arun. Uh, what you got for us tonight, Arun? Um, yeah, I got like a trivia thing. I guess all the Wizards have never had a player on the Olympic team, but there are five players who joined the Wizards. Late, oh, six players, I believe, and they are. I, it starts with Mitch Richmond, Michael Jordan. Christian Leitner, Emeka Okafor, Dwight Howard, and now Russell Westbrook. So nice. all the players who come, most of them well past their prime to Washington. And that's that's, that's interesting. I was I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> so that's so it's just who's ever played they've ever played on an Olympic team before. Yeah, but they have never had a player. So Bradley Beal might have a chance to be the first okay. player. I guess like technically arenas. And uh, Antoine Jameson played on like the world championship teams, but they got cut um, in the middle of the, the 2006 team when they lost to Greece. Yeah. So that I don't really count that, but just Olympics. Did, yeah. And just speaking of Team USA, before we um, sign off here, did you um, see the news about Isaiah Thomas making the Team USA roster for um, the tournament that's upcoming in uh, a couple weeks in February? No, I did not see that, but good luck to him. And apparently, he's right now better than Russell it's Westbrook is. Him and Joe, yeah, I'm sure. Him and um, him and Joe Johnson are going to be on the roster. I'm not sure what the tournament is. I should have come more prepared, unfortunately. But um, he and Isaiah Thomas and uh, Joe Johnson will be on that roster, so they'll have some sort of NBA players on that team of mostly young kids. Uh, but yeah. Arun, uh, thank you for joining me, man. You're welcome on any time. Sure, thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening, everybody. All right. I want to thank Michael Edgley, Tim Clark, and Arun Bhattacharya for coming on today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Um, the roundtable, like I said, will be back next week to preview the Super Bowl a little more in depth uh, as we get ready for the big game. Uh, should be awesome. We'll get everybody's picks on next week's show. Uh, can't wait for that. But for now, I want to talk about some moves made by the Yankees and some other moves made across Major League Baseball. Um, the Yankees, um, you know, it's a funny story, folks. Uh, on Monday, I finished recording the episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, episode 24. Um, go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet. But um, this is like, I swear, like five seconds after I pressed that publish button, folks, the Yankees announced that they had traded Adam Ottavino to the Boston Red Sox. Um, Kind of a surprising move. They traded Adam Ottavino and Frank Herman. I mean, there's there's been some debate on some shows I've listened to as to whether it's Herman or German, but I believe it's Herman. Um, and uh, so this was definitely an interesting move. Uh, the Yankees, I think they got a player to be named later back from the Red Sox in this trade. Um, and the Yankees, I think it's a good move for the Yankees. Uh, no offense to Adam Ottavino at all. I actually really like Adam Ottavino as a person. Um, you know how I feel about nice guys. Uh, I really like nice guys and want them to succeed. And Adam Ottavino, from all the interviews I've heard him do on various podcasts, he gets around on the Yankee podcast scene, folks. 
Uh, Adam Adovino gets he gets on Talking Yanks. He gets on the Short Porch. He gets on the Bronx Pinstripe Show, um, and he just always comes across as a super nice dude. He's from Brooklyn. Um, I really liked Adam Adovino, and I even told like Ethan Winter when we when this trade went down between the Yankees and the Red Sox that um, Adovino is a good clubhouse guy. But he was definitely expendable, and definitely an expendable player for the Yankees. Um, had not really been, had not really lived up to expectations. I'll say that started off great in 2019, but had not really been the same. Was not very good in 2020. Had one very bad outing against the Toronto Blue Jays. So Adam Ottavino was expendable. I think the surprise in this all comes with the fact that it was a trade to the Red Sox of all teams, a team in their own, their arch rock, the team we hate more than anybody else. So that was the surprise. The last time the Yankees and Red Sox had completed a trade was 2015 for Stephen Drew. I believe it was Kelly Johnson went from the Yankees to the Red Sox for Stephen Drew. So that was the last time these two teams had made a trade. It's only happened three times in the last 20-something years, folks. So um, this is special. This is a good one. But getting back to uh, the Yankees for a minute here, to replace Adam Ottavino, the Yankees went out and spent $2 million to bring in Darren O'Day, who was with the Atlanta Braves last season. He's a sidewinding right-hander. Um, I, I'm excited about that. I don't, I don't remember the last time the Yankees had a pitcher like that who throws the way uh, uh, Darren O'Day throws. He's pretty much straight up Adam Ottavino's replacement. Um, they're pre- even pretty similar pitchers. Um, and so I like this move for the Yankees. You know, I, I like pretty much every move the Yankees make, so I'm, I'm kind of a biased source. But uh, when when they when I officially saw that the news was uh, was done, uh, I tweeted um, on twi- uh, on my t- official Twitter account at uh, bbry1991. I tweeted, "Oh day, oh day, oh day, oh day, oh day, oh day," and. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. If he gets some big outs for the Yankees this year, I'm going to be singing that a lot. So, um, O'Day, 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 O'Day. All right, I'll stop. Um, I'm all for that. Um, Unfortunately, the worst news of the week for the Yankees uh, was that Masahiro Tanaka is leaving. I think the writing was on the wall. Um, When Corey Kluber signed with the Yankees and um, when the Jamison tie-on trade uh, went down this weekend, I think it was that pretty much solidified that Masahiro Tanaka was not coming back, and um, Yankee Twitter was pretty devastated. Everybody's, I was sad, man. I, I'm a big, I, I'm a big Tanaka fan, and um, I, I really liked having him on the team. But um, he is returning to the Rakuten Golden Eagles, the first his team in Japan. Um, after seven years with the Yankees, he released a statement this morning. Um, I will read it to you now. To my beloved fans, I hope everybody is keeping safe during these challenging times. I wanted to reach out to you because I have made a decision on where I will be playing this coming season. I have decided to return to Japan and play for the Rakuten Golden Eagles for the 2021 season. I'm sorry, just the Rakuten Eagles, not the Rakuten Golden Eagles. I wanted to make sure and touch base with you and thank you for all the love and support you have given me for the past seven seasons. I feel extremely fortunate for having the opportunity to take the field as a member of the New York Yankees and play in front of all you passionate fans. It has been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. 
No, Masahiro. Thank you. We salute you, man. Uh, thank you for seven great years with the Yankees. Unfortunately, we couldn't get you a championship, but Masahiro Tanaka is an absolute warrior, an absolute gamer, and I'm, I'm going to miss him in the Bronx. Um, I'm happy with the moves they've made. I love, like I said in the past episodes, I like the Kluber signing. Um, I like the tie-on trade. Kluber actually had his press conference today, uh, same with LeMahieu, but... Um, it's not going to be the same without Tanaka. He's a great clubhouse guy too. Um, just see, even though it's just even though there's language barrier, he just seems to get along with all the guys. Great. Uh, the language of baseball is universal, folks. Um, if, if that, that's that's the truth there, um, and um, I'm really happy for him getting to return to Japan. I understand that you know obviously difficult circumstances these times of COVID. I understand his desire to return. And want to be closer to his family. So I salute him for that. uh, And thank him again for really a great Yankee career. Um, Even though it didn't have any championships. uh, He will, I think, be remembered fondly by Yankee fans for a long time. So um, that's just my thoughts on Masahiro Tanaka. He will be missed. Um, And um, yeah, like I said, I'm really excited about what the Yankees have done these last couple of days. Um, After... A very quiet first couple months of the offseason. Things really picked up these last couple of weeks or so. Um, So I'm definitely excited. I think the Yankees are the best team in the American League. Um, Yeah, I said it. Like, if you you disagree, come at me. But I think the Yankees are going to, on paper at least, the best team in the American League. And um, it'll. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm really not that intimidated by the Toronto Blue Jays or the Houston Asterisks, or the Chicago White Sox, or any team you throw at me. So um, we will see what happens, and hopefully the season gets underway. That was another thing that they were talking about um, this week as well. Um, negotiations for the Universal DH, uh, they turned down. They turned that down, but I think eventually we will not only see an expanded playoff this season, but we will see a Universal DH. Um, teams, I think nationally teams like the Mets are already planning around, like we, like I talked about with Pat Stein when he was on the show, teams like the Mets are already planning around having the DH in the national league. So I think we will have a universal DH in major league baseball this season and hopefully for the foreseeable future in baseball. Uh, that's just my thoughts on that. Some other moves around baseball. JT Real Muto signed a $115 million deal to stay with the Philadelphia Phillies. That's a good move for them. Uh, Real Muto, I think, is the best ca- one of the best catchers in baseball for sure. Um, so they want to keep him. He's arguably could be the face of the franchise up there with Bryce Harper. So I understand why the Phillies wanted to keep him, and um, it makes things very interesting in the National League. I don't really think they even had much competition for Real Muto. I mean, this is a down year for sure. I mean, we saw the contract DJ got, um, so I, I, I don't think the Phillies had much competition for Real Muto. So, um, But they will have competition in the NL East. It's going to be very interesting. Um, the Atlanta Braves are obviously the team that won it last year, but the Phillies look strong. Uh, the Nationals, like I've said, um, with their rotation, uh, looks very good. Um, the, the four that they've got. Um, between um, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and now John Lester. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch and fun to watch this season. Uh, and, um, you know, like, like the Marlins even made the playoffs last year. I know it was an expanded playoffs, but that was their first playoff appearance 
since 2003 when they beat the Yankees in the World Series. So, um, but um, yeah, um, then that brings us to the Mets, um, who I want to talk about a little bit here. Um, today they announced the trade that they they traded Stephen Matz to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, which will save them $5 million, which I think they're gearing up for a move to sign Trevor Bauer, folks. I think the Mets are all in on possibly going after Trevor Bauer this year. Um, I, I, I think that they envision a rotation of Jacob deGrom leading it, of course, and then Trevor Bauer, this year's NL Cy Young Award winner, and then Marcus Stroman, another very good pitcher, um, that they kept this year. Um, he actually opted in to an $18 million contract. And then Noah Syndergaard as well at the number four spot. So I think that's what the Mets are planning here, folks. Um, I know Steve Cohen's been involved in some um, some other stuff uh, today uh, with a certain uh, El Presidente of Barstool Sports. Uh, I, folks, I don't understand this GameStop uh, AMC. I'm not a stocks person at all, so I am, I'm not even going to comment on that. Um, my friend Benson, uh, Jonathan Benson, uh, is a GameStop employee, and he's been talking about it pretty much nonstop for the last two days. Um, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend to even try and acknowledge what was going on there, but all I know is that Steve Cohen is involved somehow, and um, it's it's going to be bizarre. I wonder if it's going to affect the Mets at all. Uh, but what was I going to say? Um, let's go. <laughs> what a mess that is. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to comment. But um, I really think the Mets are going after Trevor Bauer. I, I think that they envision that great rotation. Um, or you know, I you know, I think they're also going to be interested on in Jackie Bradley Jr. for their center field spot. They turned down the opportunity to go for George Springer, and they decided to go for. I think they're going to decide to go for Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, I, that's what I would do if I was the Mets, honestly. But um, I, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, I guess Steve Cohen is a billion dollars less richer now today. But um, well, well, it'll be interesting. I, if I'm the Mets, I go in on Bauer. Like you, you want to win this division, right? You're in it to win it, right? Like you, you've heard me talk about how competitive and how good the National League East is going to be this year. So if you want to be serious, Mets, go and get Trevor Bauer. I know Bauer's a little bit of a head case, but I think you know he's a, sometimes different works. I think different could work with the New York Mets. Honestly, um, the Mets are a different team. Trevor Bauer's a different person, and um, I think it could be a good fit. I, I would be in, I would, I would check it out. I, I think the Mets should be, you know, I don't see where else Trevor Bauer is going to go. So um, that's my thoughts on, on that move. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I need to mention from baseball. Um, Brett Gardner, um, I, I hope he comes back to the Yankees. I think that, you know, Clint Frazier is the starting left fielder no matter what. So if Brett Gardner can come back and kind of, a part-time role, I think that would be very good for the Yankees. Um, you know, he's he's such a good veteran leader, and um, I, I think you know now that the Ottavino con- trade is is done, they have a little more money to spend. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Gardner comes back at all. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in baseball. You know what? Honestly, I think that's that's pretty much it when it comes to baseball. Why don't we move into our outro tonight?
I just wanted to, there's just a couple of things I want to uh, go through before um, before we wrap up today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. You know, um, we talked about our memories of uh, Kobe Bryant and, and um, where we were and um, things like that during the roundtable, but I never got to say um, where I was. It's not a very interesting story, but I figured I might as well share where I was um, when Kobe Bryant passed. Um, I was actually at a movie. Uh, you know, it's funny enough, I was seeing um, Parasite, um, a great movie, by the way, um, but unfortunately forever overshadowed for me by it being the movie I saw where Kobe Bryant died. Um, I was at the Mazda Gallery in Friendship Heights in D.C., and um, I turned on my phone after after the movie, and I had about a thousand mixed texts from all my friends saying Kobe's dead like all all caps like what the you know what the hell Kobe's dead things like that and um I kind of I quickly was like what oh my god like I I couldn't believe it and then um I got in an Uber to go home uh back to my apartment very quickly cuz I wanted to get to the news as, as quickly as I could normally I would take the bus but I was like I got to get home and watch the news as quickly as I can uh, to hear more about this, uh, about this horrible helicopter crash. And, um, when I got into the Uber, um, the driver turned to, um, the news station, the news radio station. And the first headline was Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna die in a helicopter crash. And the Uber driver was like, what? Like he couldn't believe it. And I was like, I know man. And he was like, no, like he couldn't, it was, we were stunned. We were stunned disbelief. And so that's, kind of my story of where I was that day and um you know rest in peace to Kobe Bryant you know we still miss you and Gianna and everybody else who died in that helicopter crash is just um it's still hard to believe a year later um just tragic a tragic loss for everybody involved and you know an inspiration to us all Kobe Bryant um and his legacy will live on and so rest in peace Kobe Gianna and um, everyone else who passed, unfortunately, on that helicopter crash. Um, all right, so it's not easy to go from that to um, some less um, less serious news. But um, David Culley was named the Houston Texans head coach. Uh, Eric Bieniemy did not get the job, unfortunately. Um, I can't believe Eric Bieniemy once again denied for another job, but. I should, you know, I um, the news broke after the roundtable, so I couldn't ask Tim about David Culley. For those of you who don't know, David Culley is coming from the Baltimore Ravens. He's an offensive guy, um, so he did great things with Lamar. Um, will he get the opportunity to do great things with Deshaun Watson? Um, let's talk about that situation a little bit. Uh, I'm hearing different rumors every day from, uh, you know, fan, fans of teams that want Deshaun Watson on their team. I'll give you an example. I was texting my friend Phil, uh, who I mentioned a few weeks ago after he got married. Um, I was texting him. He's a big Panthers fan. And he was texting me about Deshaun Watson's to the Panthers. And then Michael Edgley was texting in our group chat, let's go Saints, let's get Deshaun Watson. And so like Michael Edgley's talking about Deshaun Watson to the Saints. But then there's fans. Then I'm listening to New York Sports Radio. I'm listening to 98.7 in New York. And everybody's talking about Deshaun Watson to the Jets in New York. So I'm hearing from all different fan bases that all want Deshaun Watson on their team. And um, 
Oh, man, where is this guy going to end up? He officially requested a trade today. Um, so we'll see if the tech, like, it sounds like he really, really wants out of Houston. And it sounds like the damage is done. It is beyond repair at this point. We will see where Deshaun Watson ends up. I, you know, as a New York guy, I kind of want him on the Jets. They have the number two pick. They've got a tradable quarterback in Sam Darnold. That's and some young they they have tradable assets. They have draft capital. They can move for Deshaun Watson. But then there's also the Miami Dolphins who have the number three pick, and they could also trade a young quarterback to them, an even younger quarterback than Sam Darnold, into a Tagovailoa. Plus, that might be more appealing. The thought of playing in Miami might be more appealing to Deshaun Watson. They won 10 games with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. Do you imagine how good they'd be if they got Deshaun Watson? That would be a fun team to watch down in South Beach, folk. Like I said, they won 10 games last year. Picking up Deshaun would be major for the Dolphins. That might honestly put them above the Bills in the AFC East. So, and you know, that might be that might be appealing for Deshaun Watson. You know, no state income tax in Florida. All that money he's making is going to go a lot further than it would just about anywhere else. So, if I'm him, I'm considering that. But, you know, hopefully I would like to see him on the Jets. I think he would be a a difference maker, a game changer. Not that, you know, the Jets keeping the number 2 pick and drafting Justin Fields wouldn't be but um, Deshaun Watson's already a proven commodity. Why draft somebody when you can get a proven commodity like Deshaun Watson? It'll be interesting to see. I'm very intrigued by how this all is all going to end up. Like this is, I mean, we are in a uh, you know players have all the power right now in the NFL and in the NBA. It's crazy how much power the players have, folks. It's kind of refre- I I don't hate it honestly. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just crazy how like we we're seeing all this player movement in the NFL and the NBA and um you know, it's it's not a bad thing, but um it's definitely, you know, it's 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 interesting how times have changed, but um we'll see where Deshaun Watson ends up. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm hoping I would like to see him on the Jets, but um we'll see. Uh, I just have one other NFL thing here. Um, congratulations to Riverboat Ron. Ron Rivera, uh, now officially 100% cancer-free. That is great news. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that on this episode. Ron Rivera is a great guy, um, even though he's the head coach of the Washington football team, a team I don't like. Um, I do like Ron Rivera. Uh, I was I remember when he was the head coach of the Panthers and when I was living in North Carolina. He just always seemed like such a cool dude. And, um, you know, you wouldn't wish, wish cancer on any, anybody, even your worst enemy. Um, and to go through that and to still coach throughout the season, um, what a story. And um, a very likable guy. And um, congratulations on officially kicking cancer's ass, Ron Rivera. Um, very happy to hear that news today. Um, and um, rooting for rooting for you, man. Um, you know, like I said, likable, likable person. Ron Rivera is. Um, Washington football team got a good one. I'll admit that for sure. Um, all right, let's move into um, tonight's NBA and NHL schedules. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you Thursday and I'll give you Friday, uh, since um, I don't know which when you're going to listen to this episode. 
Um, but I'm watching um, the Rangers game against the Sabres right now in Buffalo. Rangers need to get it together, folks. Uh, they're they're struggling right now. Um, I, they almost gave up a goal, right, as I say that, by the way. The game literally just started, um, and they already almost gave up a freaking goal. Um, but they need to get it together, and they need to start winning some games. Uh, they're scoreless. Every game across the sco- slate is scoreless. It's Like I said, it's 7 o'clock. These games just started. Um, Penguins Bruins is also tonight. Flyers Devils, Islanders Capitals. I'll probably put that on my iPad when I'm finished recording. Uh, we'll see how that game goes. Um, they played a good game last night, the Islanders and the Capitals. Um, I believe the Capitals won very late. So, um, you know, those are two teams I, yeah, I don't really have particularly strong feelings towards, but, um, that, we'll see how that game goes tonight. Lightning, Hurricanes, Panthers, Blue Jackets, those games all just started. And then we got Flames, Canadians about to start as well. Kings Wild is at 8 o'clock. Red Wings, Stars, 8.30. Sharks, Avalanche is at 9 o'clock. Ducks, Coyotes is at 9 o'clock. Blues, Golden Knights was postponed. I haven't really been following the NHL this closely, folks. Somebody's going to have to fill me in. Does one of these teams have a COVID problem? The Blues and the Golden Knights? Somebody let me know. Um, Maple Leafs Oilers is 10 o'clock, and Senators Canucks is also 10 o'clock. Um, and then Friday, we only have one hockey game. It's kind of interesting. I noticed that they're doing – some days have less hockey games than others. Like some days there's like 14 games. Like tonight there was 14 games, I think, across the NHL. And then tomorrow night, Friday night, when you're probably listening to this episode, the only hockey game is the Blue Jackets and the Blue uh, the Blackhawks. So um, – if you enjoy those two teams, um, or if you're a fan of those two teams, enjoy. Um, tonight's NBA schedule, um, Trailblazers and Rockets is on um, TNT, 7.30 tip. Uh, Lakers-Pistons, 8 o'clock tip. Clippers-Heat, that, that's a good matchup. Um, that's an 8 o'clock start. And Warriors-Suns is the late game on TNT. That starts at 10 o'clock. And then Friday night, Friday night Knicks, baby. We've got the Knicks at 7.30 on Friday night uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, we'll see how that game goes. But some other games, we got Pacers versus Hornets, 7 o'clock. Hawks-Wizards, yeah, we'll see how the Wizards do. I saw they're getting some players back. Uh, they're getting Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner and I believe Davis Bertans all back. So um, we'll see if the Wizards can... Get off the schneid. Um, it's not been pretty for the Wizards. We talked about it in the roundtable. They are now 3-11. and They did, in fact, lose that game to the Pelicans. Bradley Beal is the leading scorer in the NBA and scored 46 points in that game against the Pelicans, and they still lost by double figures. Man, that's not good. That's a, pro- that's a problem, man. The Wizards need to figure out, figure out the problem. I think they got to let Scott Brooks go. Like, this is just getting worse and worse. I don't think Scott Brooks is going to get the opportunity to turn things around for the Wizards. Kings-Raptors, 7.30. Uh, Bucks-Pelicans, 7.30 on ESPN. Giannis versus Zion. Um, Clippers-Magic is at 8 o'clock. 76ers-Timberwolves, um, also at 8 o'clock. 76ers beat the Lakers the other night. That was a big game. Uh, that was a good game. Um, Nets-Thunder. I'm, I'm honestly, folks... I am not a Nets fan. As you all know, I've made very clear on this podcast that I do not like the Nets. But I'm actually enjoying watching the Nets this year. Like Now that they've got James Harden, I feel like their games are becoming must-watch TV. And um, 
it's it's hard it's hard to believe like i i can't believe i actually want to watch it i'm not I, i'll i will say this though i don't want people to come at me saying you're a bandwagon fan i'm not rooting for the nets and i will never ever 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 as long as i live watch the nets over the knicks if there is a knicks game on i don't care if the knicks are oh and 500 i'm still gonna watch the knicks over the nets every day of the week that's just my team go new york go new york go um, so the Nets play the Thunder at 8 o'clock on Friday night. Nuggets Spurs is at 8.30, and Mavericks and Jazz is at um, 10 o'clock. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Premier League. Um, there have been some surprising results these last two days. Um, most surprisingly, 20th place Sheffield United knocked off 2nd place Manchester United 2-1. I only saw the end of this game, but I was shocked absolutely shocked Sheffield United has been trash all season and they came they came in and beat Manchester United at Old Trafford two to one that was shocking folks and then less shocking today um you know Liverpool hadn't won in five straight matches but they get the win today they get a 3-1 victory over Tottenham hot spud um they got goals from Roberto Firmino in the 40 40- 49th minute, um, and then Trent Alexander-Arnold got the second half started at the 47th minute with a goal, and then Sadio Mane, who missed badly early in the first half, but got a nice, I was talking to my dad, we were watching this game, and Mane missed pretty badly right as this game was starting, uh, but he redeemed himself, got a good goal, uh, so Liverpool get a win, a badly needed win for them, so here is your Premier League table as we speak. Uh, Manchester City are top of the league right now with a game in hand. Uh, they've played they've played 19 games. They've got 41 points, so they're ahead of Manchester United, who are still in second despite their loss to Sheffield United um, at 40 points. Leicester City are still in third with 39 points. Liverpool, with their win today, stay in fourth place. They go to fourth place. They jump over West Ham. I have to give a shout out to my friend John Ferguson, um, who's a big. He's one of my friends. We used to be coworkers at WXII Twelve News in Winston Salem, and he is probably the biggest American West Ham fan I know. Um, he loves West Ham, and he he sent me a picture of the standings when West Ham were in fourth with the caption "Stop the count." And so, um, unfortunately, West Ham now go to fifth. Uh, the Spuds. Are in sixth. Uh, they're thirty-three. Uh, they got thirty-three points. Everton's in seventh, um, thirty-three points. Chelsea have thirty points in eighth place. Uh, like I said, they just sacked Tom, um, Frank Lampard uh, and brought in Thomas Tuchel officially. Thomas Tuchel's been appointed the manager of Chelsea. Um, we will see how it goes. We'll see how long he lasts. Uh, it doesn't last long at Chelsea, folks. Uh, you are in and out at Chelsea. Um, just ask Frank Lampard, club legend, one of the best players in Chelsea history, and no longer the manager. Hard to believe. Arsenal, my boys, are in ninth place at 30 points. And Aston Villa, um, 18 matches played, uh, 29 points. And then the bottom three right now, Fulham with 13 points in 18th place. West Brom, 11 points, 19th place. And Sheffield United, despite their win against Manchester United, are still in eighth. Are still in last place in the Premier League. 
in position to go down with eight points. Um, we will see how it goes. Let's see if there are any games this weekend. Uh, well, I know there's obviously the big game this weekend is Arsenal versus Manchester United. Uh, so we'll see how that goes on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that match. Manchester United are obviously going to be really pissed uh, coming after their loss to Sheffield. So um, we'll see how um, we'll see how it goes. Arsenal got a win so um, earlier this week. So um, I'm looking forward to that match. Um, let the games begin in the Premier League. Uh, there's some good games. Everton, Newcastle. Newcastle is struggling. Woo. They've lost their last five. Um, some Crystal Palace Wolves, Man City, Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, Southampton, Aston Villa. That's all on Sunday. And then on, su- I'm sorry, that was on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we've got Chelsea, Burnley, Leicester City versus Leeds, West Ham versus Liverpool. That's a good one. I know John Ferguson will be watching that one. I know a lot of Liverpool fans will be watching that one too. And Brighton versus Spurs. So um, we'll probably be snowed in that on Sunday. I know us in the DMV are going to be snowed in pretty badly on Sunday. So plenty of soccer to watch. I'm bummed the Super Bowl doesn't start until uh, we still have so long to go until the Super Bowl. But we'll be previewing it next week. Um, I think I'm going to be doing some um, some Super Bowl type stuff like. Uh, maybe a top five uh, ranking of my favorite Super Bowls of all time or favorite Super Bowl moments. Uh, I've already asked the roundtable to give me their best Super Bowl moment for next week. So uh, I'll probably do something of that ilk, um, some Super Bowl content to get you hyped for the big game. But that's it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Facebook at Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow us on Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at BBrian1991. Follow me on Instagram at BBrian1991. Follow our Facebook page, Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. And I will talk to you next time, folks. Have a good one.